Welcome back to Orange. You glad we watched the OC, where we are intentionally concealing our pony with alopecia's pregnancy. <laughs> it's been a minute. This is the podcast where we talk through every single episode of seminal TV program, the OC. And this is our first episode recording after we took the summer off because we can. I'm Sarah. That's Evan. Hey, y'all. How was your summer, Evan? Um, well, I had all four of my wisdom teeth out. Uh, so I'm really very pleased that we took the time because I would not have been, uh, I would not have been any fun to talk to for a good long time or at least a good five weeks there it was I about say. a month five to six weeks mm. yeah something like that because i got dry socket in the bottom right one um you can find his teeth on tumblr.com we should probably post a picture of my teeth on the orange you glad we watched the oc tumblr.com shouldn't we we will lose all 10 <laughs> listeners <laughs> that hadn't our co-host today is the chickadee. The chickadee's name is Franklin. Yes. All chickadees' names are Franklin. Yes. How was your summer, Sarah? It was... I saw Beyonce. Yeah, I got to see Beyonce with you. You also saw Beyonce. It was fucking awesome. It was fucking awesome. We saw a dead body after Beyonce. Yep. That's a whole different story. That was less awesome mm-hmm. than seeing Beyonce. But Beyonce wasn't dead. No, so Beyonce was, was very much alive. She was not the dead body. Mm, thank God. Do we have any breaking news that we wish to discuss? Well, fuck. The WGA and SAG after strikes continue. Um, the AMTPT. AMPTPPT? AMPT. AMTP, like toilet paper, because they're poo poos. They're poo poo heads. Continue to refuse to bargain in good faith. And I've been seeing lots of things online. that are trying to sort of, sort of like, you know, investigate exactly why. And the reasons are myriad. Um, so even though they bargain as a unit, the AMT, the toilet paper poo-poo heads, um, <laughs> they are still in competition with one another, uh-huh. which um, means even if there are some that would be willing to bargain in good faith and actually give a fair deal... Uh, to if the writers and the actors, one holdout. Then... Exactly, yeah, that just wants to bleed their competition dry because they're losing hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> Netflix, <laughs> right? Where they would have lost, um, well, like a a pittance uh, if they had have just come to the bargaining table in the first place. They are going back to negotiations yesterday and today, is what I read this morning. Oh, good. Okay. Specifically with the writers union. All right. So, uh, what else? The UAW has gone on strike, um, which is great. Um, fucking everybody is goddamn striking and unionizing, which is enormous, and I am hugely in favor of. Orange, you glad we watched the OC? The only place where you can get discussions of unions <laughs> and tank tops <laughs> and low rise shorts. <laughs> 
Oh, those were some extremely low rise. Those were the lowest we will, of rise. We will, we will talk <laughs> about the low rise shorts. Don't you even worry. I'm very glad that my my mouth is finally healed. I can eat solid food, and we got to watch this silly little show. And I'm I'm looking forward to chatting about it with you. Yes. So let's. What should we? We'll plug our noses and dive in. Yes. <gasps> okay. Sploosh. Um, we are discussing season two, episode one, called "The Distance." This is episode one of season two, y'all. Um, the first thing I will say is, as soon as the title of this episode was revealed, I had "The Distance" by Cake in my head the whole time. Oh, we're going the distance. Yes. We're going for speed. Yes. I don't like cake. Cake, the dessert, is lovely. Yes. 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 The band, I'm very hit or miss. Did cake, do I want a girl in a short skirt and a long jacket? Yeah. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very uh, on again, off again with cake. Yeah. Like. They were of their time. Yeah. Just like the OC was of its time. <laughs> but I was a little surprised that they didn't cross over somehow into that song, because I think that was big around that time. Were they on the label that the OC owns? Listeners, go to our something. <laughs> We're not on Wherever X. we are. <laughs> oh, that was another thing that happened over the summer. It's so X now. Many things so many things over the summer. And we, we don't have time to get into all of them. Can, <laughs> no. We must discuss this show. Yes. Yes. Um, okay, opening scene. Uh, well, we first, wanna... the, the previously on was fantastic, because yes. it's like, I guess it wasn't the entire first season, but it was like, hey, you remember all this bullshit that happened? Yes. Um, the summary is as such. Teresa's pregnant. Yep. Ryan leaves Newport to help her with the baby. Mm-hmm. Caleb bought a massive mansion oh, for shit. Julie. That's laundry. Hang on. <laughs> Caleb bought a huge mansion for Julie, and it is questionable whether he can pay for it. Ostensibly also Caitlin, <laughs> who we will have to talk about. Marissa moved in with Julie and Caleb, but she's very salty about it. It's what you wanted, man! <laughs> um, Caleb is anticipating going to jail for dot 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 things. Uh, and Seth has gone on a boat after he had a little hissy fit Mm -hmm. because Ryan left. Yep. Are we up to speed? Good. So. We're up to speed. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry I invoked the presence of that. (laughs) Okay, so we start at OSHA non-compliance central. Jesus Christ. The opening shot is really fun. Because it's like a guy coming through a big plastic sheet, mm-hmm. kind of. It's very sci-fi. Uh-huh. It's very like 1990s sci-fi. Um, it's very Terry Gilliam. There were a few shots in this episode that you can tell that the director was real proud of. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. It was neat. It was very, you know, wait. Yeah. Okay. So yes. Enter a room full of shirtless models, essentially, uh-huh. who are all ripped. <laughs> And um, swinging around sledgehammers and the like because they're doing construction on Sandy and Kirsten's house to distract themselves from the fact that Seth is... We don't know where Seth is at this point. They haven't said. They're just like, he's gone and he's not coming back. 
as somebody who did get to have access to free trainings uh, from Wiskosh, the Wisconsin branch of uh, OSHA, uh, the Occupational Safety and Hazard Association, um, th- our there listeners were, are smart. They know what OSHA stands for. There was nary a fucking uh, goggle nor work glove, nor, nor hard, hard hat. hat, nor nothing to be seen. It was just pecs. It was just fucking shirtless men <laughs> with pecs and abs. And I'm like, wow, this is an extremely unsafe work environment. <laughs> and then Sandy comes into the scene, and the guy that he's talking to seemed very familiar to me. He's a, I think he's probably a character actor. Very thick New York accent. So that's how you can tell he's going to stiff them on the construction time. <laughs> right? It's great because he's like, Sandy's like, how long is this going to take? And the guy's like, ah, I don't know, a month, a month of tops. Uh, six weeks. Two months. <laughs> it's the way that I negotiate when I'm able to smoke again with you. Yes, correct. Yes. We have an ongoing thing. I quit smoking in 2014. I get to try one cigarette when I'm 75. 80. Evan thinks it's much later than that. <laughs> What's well, not much late. Well, I guess five years when you're 75 is pretty late. Yeah. We'll talk off pod. <laughs> <laughs> Things to be noted here, even this early in the episode. Sandy's hair parted in the middle. And no longer with bangs. Yes. Off of his face now. But also, we are two minutes into the episode at this point, and I paused and was like, this is the dumbest stream of dialogue I've ever heard. It continues into the next scene, but the dumbness began when Sandy was made to read the line. My house is in a state of disarray, much like my family, or something to that effect. It was not that far off from what he said. Yeah, right. And he's like, how long is this gonna, is this going to take? And the construction guy was like, oh, you mean us doing all the remodels upon your house? Well, it's <laughs> September right now, so probably October. <laughs> oh, you mean the expository dialogue that we're supposed to be having right now? <laughs> So Kirsten comes into the scene and she is mad at Sandy because it's all on Sandy to get her son back from wherever he is, asterisk winky face. We don't even, it's a little, it's a little ambiguous at first because she is just giving Sandy the cold shoulder while he's, you know, talking about things. Oh, I've got this interesting case. So he's apparently practicing law again. So mm-hmm. we we exposit that. Yes. He's like, oh. Oh, it's a fascinating case about somebody who thought somebody else's music was too loud on the property. Somebody's yacht was yachting lo- louder than another yacht. I've been practicing my Sandy voice apparently over the summer, except no, I absolutely have not. It's really good. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you did have voice training over the summer. Though. Oh, I did. So your Sandy will surely have improved. I'm a vocalist now, everybody. Always were. Oh, I knew. But now I'm a professional vocalist. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Um, yeah, so at first we think she's just pissed for reasons we can't quite understand. Women. Menopause. She must be on her time. Seasons. Seasons change. Um, But yeah, then she's like, bring him home. Bring him home. (laughs) Bring him back. Seth Cohen. (laughs) 
is acting like an ass crack. <laughs> Bring him home. Sorry. Um, we will point out the astute listener will remember that our primary uh, criticism of the way they write the teenagers on this show is sometimes they want them to be teenagers and sometimes they want to be full-ass adults. Everyone is teens in this episode. Yep. I think including the adults. <laughs> yes. I would agree. So, Seth is somewhere, Kirsten is mad, they eat breakfast, and Kirsten's like, you need to get Seth back home. It's where he belongs. You have to blah, blah, blah. They don't even say Seth. That's an interesting thing. They leave it really ambiguous. Oh, yeah. Because then the the li- listener, the viewer is supposed to be like, but to whom are they referring? Because both the boys are gone. Yeah. And, you know, actually, in kind of a clever way, because this show does love killing two birds with one stone, plot-wise, um, they want both of them to come back. Yeah. 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 Um... So then we go to the credits. Da 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 da. We are back at full energy. <laughs> We're loving this show. Oh, but in the credits, it's important to note we get introduced to everybody's new hairstyle, uh-huh. but also we get introduced to who's actually going to be the key players of this season. Uh huh. Um, Caleb. Yeah, notable people with with face cards in the opening credit sequence, Caleb and Jimmy. Uh-huh. Suspiciously Who's- absent, Haley, <laughs> who will continue to be absent this entire episode. Yes. And also, just real quick side note, it speaks to how little I remember the first time that I saw this series. Remember when we were talking about Luke last season and we were like, oh, I hope we see him again. Luke's great. He is fully in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's fantastic. Yeah. And I had no clue. And canonically, in the show, described as a golden retriever, mm-hmm. which also we had to pause and look at each other like, <gasps> Everyone listened to our podcast and then... <laughs> created a time machine and went back and put that line in and also they listened to our criticisms of everybody's hair because everybody's (laughs) hair is mostly better for the most part okay um sorry I'm looking at my source material do it okay so now we are poolside with Summer and Marissa and they're like, they're, they're, they drive people who complain about the heat who are literally sitting beside a pool drive me up a fucking wall. They're like, <laughs> oh my god, it's so hot. I hope that my tan will be even after I melt. <laughs> and they're talking about how, uh, Summer is attempting to get over Seth. Oh, the exposition continues Uh, hard. They they have not spoken since the 4th of July. (laughs) And Marissa is just kind of vibing, but it's bad bad vibes. Yes. Um, She brings out two things of iced tea. And we also get an introduction to someone who 
the the gardener, the person who you said was watering the pool. He looked like he was watering the pool. (laughs) The amount of beefcake hunks in this fucking episode is off the goddamn charts. They have blown their beefcake hunk budget for the rest of the season. (laughs) Yeah, this guy appears to be like 32. Uh He's built like a fucking... He looks a lot like a guy who was in Desperate Housewives. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I think he might be... He may have also played a hunky gardener who bedded someone in Desperate Housewives. He's just standing there. It looks like he's just watering the pool. Yeah. I have no idea what he's doing there, and he's just <laughs> he's staring at He's kind of biotopiary, <laughs> I think. <laughs> who knows? He's topiary adjacent, spraying something shirtless. And Summer is like, dear Marissa, he's totally checking you out. And Marissa's like, shut up. No, he's not. And then they break out the iced teas, which are not iced teas, mm-hmm. um, which are, remember when Marissa went to therapy and also rehab? Yeah. Oh, that whole plot arc. Yeah. That took many, many, many episodes. I mean, rehab doesn't always stick the first time. No. And, you know, <laughs> therapy, the likes of which these characters probably received is also not going to stick. Yep. Because it's so heavily ostracized by all the characters in this fucking universe. We also learn in this scene, um, yeah, so sorry, Summer comments on how strong the iced teas are and that it is 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. So the telegraphing that's happening in this scene is Marissa is not doing well. No bueno. Yeah. No bueno, poor Marissa. And neither is Summer, but her uh, misery is supposed to be more comically beats Comic beats, not comically beats. Um, because she has moved on with a dude named Zach. We don't. Did we meet Zach last season? I don't think so. I can't remember. No. Was no. he one of the floppy haired boys at Oliver's parties? I mean, everyone is floppy. Oh, I wonder if he was at like the New Year's Eve party. Yeah. Or I can't remember now. It doesn't really matter. We may see him. We may not. We're not gonna find out. But she's like, I'm not. I'm not falling in love with any boys ever again. My heart is my own. I remember what she says. And I'm definitely not going to say Seth's name. Oops, I said Seth's name. Yeah. But no, she won't say Seth's name. And Marissa's like, his his name is Seth. You can say Seth. And she's like, no, I can't. And she's like, no, the way I'm going to describe him is through. When she says something like descriptors of my my anger and hatred vitriol towards him. He's a snake long man <laughs> with beady eyes. And he can't find a shirt that fits him. His torso. His torso is the length of an Olympic swimming pool. <laughs> and he's yes. oh she calls him a bitch multiple times. Yes. She's like little bitch boys that sail away on boats named after me. That's pretty much verbatim what she says, actually. <laughs> um, is Bitch Boy gay panic count? I don't think so. No, no, we've got so much gay panic in this episode. There's no reason to artificially inflate it. And we're going to. so much. We're going to just go ahead and spoil this count. There's zero Rosa. Yes. Unless Rosa is one of the construction workers. <laughs> 
There's no Rosa. There is no Caitlin. There is no Haley in this episode to be seen. Although um, Caitlin does get very conveniently refrigerated at one point in a throwaway line of dialogue. Of, well, they're sending her to boarding school. It's a good thing she's going to boarding school because otherwise we, we would can't have to afford pay an to get another actor to portray her. <laughs> is basically what what's her name says. <laughs> Julie. Julie. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so now we are in Chino. Um, and Teresa, who for the full first half of this show, we were like, are, is she, are they just going to have her sit in a car for the duration of her pregnancy? They were filming her just like from the neck up. Yeah. Um, Teresa is dropping Ryan off at his construction job that he has gotten to help take care of this baby. And he looks miserable, and she looks miserable, and she's like, I peeled your orange for you in your lunch. And it's the weirdest bit of dialogue. He's like, that's not going to endear me to the guys on this site. Like, what are you talking about? What is this pit of toxic masculinity where they're going to look at you and be like, Oh, look at this little fucking princess who needs to eat peeled oranges. (laughs) Oh, the only thing I bring to the construction site is raw ham. And testosterone. Yes. And possibly human growth hormone. Yeah. <laughs> um, they make plans to either... She asks if he wants to watch a movie or shoot some pool. Like, this is a... This is... Not to really get in the weeds with this, but I'm going to get in the weeds with this because it's the weirdest dichotomy. Go in, dive in there, get some ticks. Like, okay, this is fully 2000 early, right? Smoking is still legal in bars. And I'm assuming that they don't have a pool table at their house. But, like, the, 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 the dichotomy between those two activities, watching a movie and shooting some pool. Why would you do that to a baby? To... Either one of them. Movie watching is extremely dangerous for babies. (laughs) It's just weird and dumb, and I thought that the writers were being particularly lazy. Maybe this edit was due in revisions, and they were going to go to film, like, in two minutes. Okay, let's harken back to season one. Okay. But, okay. Oh, sorry, keep going. Weeds. I can also see the flip side, because if... Chino is coded, coded poor and, you know, destitute. That's what you do for entertainment. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember if it was established at any point in season one. Ryan's good at pool. Do we know that? Yeah, because there's a pool table at school. The school, the school for some reason. But we don't know that he's good at pool because he the only scene... With the pool tables was with Oliver. Mm-hmm. And he, like, I don't know, cut the pool stick in half and tried to saw <laughs> Oliver's neck off. Or something. That's what happened, right? That's what being good at pool is like. Yeah, he just, like, broke it over his knee and did that whole thing. God, I have so quickly forgotten so much about what happened last season. <laughs> but that's the thing is, like, so much... And this is a larger theme about this episode that I desperately want to talk about, but maybe it would make more sense to talk about it later. Um, so much of what happened last episode, last season, feels like throwaway material that didn't actually contribute to the, like, the story yeah. in any meaningful way. 
because I'm, so much of it is completely fallen out of my head. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And because they, it, in season one, they managed to retcon so many, th- not retcon at least, but like they managed to blithely disregard so many things that they made happen <laughs> that you just don't think about again until it's convenient for the plot. And that is the problem with a series that has 30 billion episodes in one season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Things move so fucking quickly. Okay. Anyway, like, yeah, we'll, we'll have to talk more about one of the larger feelings that I got from this episode. Yes. Um, one thing they did a really good job on that I do want to point out before I forget. Even though it's in California, they somehow managed to... And you talked about this. The lighting in this episode is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, they managed to perfectly invoke that feeling of the end of summer. Yeah. With their lighting. Yeah. Even though fucking California doesn't have seasons. <laughs> like, they managed to do that somehow. Yeah. Which is really kind of miraculous. Yeah. Uh, and they also really did a good job of differentiating the light when they were in quote-unquote Portland, wherever the fuck they were shooting that. Uh-huh. From the lighting in Newport Beach. Right. Which is also fascinating and, you know, whatever. Uh, the production of this show has at least moderately improved from last season. We give them their flowers where the flowers are due. Yeah. We are not 100% team we hate this show. <laughs> no, I love this show. Yeah. Because I wouldn't be watching with the, it with you and fucking talking about it for two fucking hours otherwise. <laughs> okay. So, now... We, oh, Teresa drives off and Ryan looks wistful. This is very, like, we need to do some telegraphing of something that would have been a speech, I think. But just, we don't have time for that. So he's going to look like a sad puppy. Yeah, he spends most of the episode just looking sad. Wouldn't you? If you were in his fucking situation? I suppose, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so now we go next to the infamous, I swear to God, there are TikToks about this scene, the um, Julie coming into frame and talking to Caleb and talking about the flower. He's like, why do I see this flower truck outside every week? And here's my, I don't remember anything that happened on this show, um, pet theory. The flower truck is actually the hunky guy. Oh. And they're fucking. Okay. All right. I'd believe it. Uh-huh. Oh, shit. One thing I do want to say really quick before we move on from the pool scene with the girls. Yes, go ahead. Towards the end of it, um, Summer points out that Coop is looking not, what does she say, not to be dramatic or anything. Oh, yeah, because they're talking about like a fictional exercise. <coughs> uh, what's it called? Um it's fuck. It's Julie. Julie wants to bring Marissa to it. It's, it's a bonding thing to try and be closer together. Like it's not Tybo because they make a joke about Tybo. It's like cardio fit. It's, yeah, it's something. It's cardio yeah. something or other. Yeah. yeah. And 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 Summer's like, you don't need any more any more cardio, Coop. And Marissa's like, the fuck does that mean? She's like, you're looking a little skinny. And Marissa says, I eat. Uh, yeah, and that's where we go into Summer saying, you certainly drink. What the fuck is in this? Paint remover or something? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. wanted to point that out. That is also such a weird line to me. Like, 
it feels like a focus group got feedback about how thin this person was Mm -hmm. and they needed to put something in there to address it. But we're also talking like, I'm not surprised that Misha Barton was as mentally screwed by this show as she was. Like if there's writers commenting in a meta way on your body, it sucks. Yeah. It sucks and I hate it. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> like what else is there to say about it, right? Yeah. Um transparency, we had to take a very long pause. <laughs> And we're not sure where we are in the episode Look, anymore. we're doing laundry, okay? Okay. Let's bring it back. Laundry's hard. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we finished the girls at the pool. Uh-huh. And now this is the thing you said. There are TikToks about this. Um, Julie and Caleb <laughs> in their mansion. And Caleb is being very paranoid because he's convinced, and rightfully so, as it will turn out later in the episode, that he's being investigated by the FBI for all of the wrongdoings uh-huh. that uh, he and the Newport group have been culpable of. It's a lot of them. Because if we remember, who was it? It was like Uncle... Somebody. Shady. Uncle whatever, Shady. Whatever the guy's fucking where he was like, you know, Sandy, uh, you don't want me talking to the police because uh, the things I could say, uh, yeah. they would ruin a lot of people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. Caleb's distracted by the flower truck, et cetera, et cetera. That's right. And you're pretty sure that the flower guy is boinking Julie. Yes. And none of us would be surprised. And also, I stand a queen who gets boinked. And ogling his daughter, which is a little more problematic. <laughs> um, but he's like, why is the flower truck here every week? This is my Caleb voice. That's a like great it? Caleb voice. And Julie's like, flowers are living things. They die. That's why we have to have them every week. And it's like, do you, ma'am? <laughs> but she's she is aspiring. She's Julie Cooper. So she's aspiring to a level of luxury yep. that she has not been uh, had handed to her before. Yep. And she's performing. And it's what you do. Right. And so much of her whole vibe, so much of her whole reason for being is visuals yeah the visuals of a happy home yeah a a, a sound and stable family yeah and um wealth yeah so he's like Caleb's like flowers also i think my phone is being tapped and she's like okay she spends this whole scene just shitting on him now he is being a little you know he's being a little shady but she's just like, wow, you're really an idiot, aren't you? You're such a fucking, you're so fucking paranoid. Maybe you stop being paranoid much? <laughs> and then she's like, by the way, uh, Caitlin needs a new pony. What's wrong with China? <laughs> China has alopecia. alopecia. <laughs> Can I also say, we learned last season that the actor who plays Caleb Nickel, what's his name again? Uh, Doesn't matter. Yep. Is fantastically Australian. New Zealand. New Zealand. Sorry. And he, I, I was really paying attention this episode to see if I could pick up on it. And he doesn't slip up. Nope. He just doesn't. Nope. Well, it's kind of because his, you know how every non-American actor who's trying to do an American accent kind of loses it when their character gets angry, mm-hmm. a la McNulty. 
Like, his character never really gets angry, does he? He's just kind of quietly menacing. <laughs> You're right. He's very composed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's part of his whole deal. She, she spends this whole time pissing on him, and then she's like, by the way, uh, and he's like, he doesn't understand what she says, like something like, Caleb, it's wrong for a little girl to fall in love with a bald pony. <laughs> just the most completely out of touch. Yeah thing yeah. that anyone could ever say. And she's like, great, love you, bye. Oh, no, he's like, you didn't use the company card. Well, yeah, on her oh, way out, yeah. right? He's like, you're not going to put it on the company card, are you? And she's like, why? Uh, well, um... And this is an extremely shadowed the lighting is so opera <laughs> the, the looks they're giving each other oh yeah they're like both soap opera. here yeah yeah there's basically like a swelling orchestral thing behind them except there isn't but there should be mm-hmm. well that um we, we 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 can't the newport group can't claim uh, a new pony as a business expense that, that would, be would be illegal, illegal. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like oh yes of course uh, I was going to put it on the black card. <laughs> oh, excellent. And then she leaves, and that's the end of that fucking scene. Um, Kirsten brings home some groceries, which is how we know that Rosa is very gone. Oh, wow. I didn't even clock the fact that she's bringing her own groceries in. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, her son's gone. He can't. Oh yeah, there were a few a few times in season one where people did have to go out and help bring in groceries. Yeah, that was a thing that happened. They love groceries. Yeah, they love eating. Big empty house, big empty nest. Yeah, just the two of them and their army of shirtless hunks. And there's a uh, phone number that pops up on their caller. Oh no, she calls. They pan down the refrigerator front door. And there's the picture of the family that was very much used for marketing in the first season. And also, we printed out that picture and made it a frame for our annual Chrismica party. It's the Chrismica picture. It's great. Which you can't come to because you don't know us and (laughs) we're talking to you on a podcast. Fuck, you just disinvited a bunch of Belgian strangers. <laughs> from our annual Christmas party. So it pans down to a phone number. I didn't clock what the area code was, but she calls and who answers the phone? Luke! It's Luke. It's, it's our, our boy puppy. Luke. It's our puppy. We love him. Yep. Luke's hair. Luke needs a haircut, but that's fine. There's also a lot of five o'clock shadows happening in this yeah. episode. Yeah. Luke's got a little sandy five o'clock shadow. Yeah. Ryan is perpetually five o'clock shadowed. With Ryan, it makes more sense because um, it's meant to convey that he's, you know, put upon. He's haggard. He's haggard. He's a working man. But I think Luke's conveys that he's just very relaxed. Yeah, he's just vibing. Yep. Right? Luke is living the life in Portland. Vibing too much to get a haircut or (laughs) shave. (laughs) It's fine. We love this for him. He's hanging out with his new adopted brother. This also kind of calls into question and why Chris Kirsten was mad earlier. Why is she put truly? Why is she putting all of the bring him home uh, on Sandy, the basically Les Miserables, you know, soliloquy? Mm-hmm. 
when she could have called him at any fucking She could be point. talking to him every day if every she wants day. to. Every day, yes. She could literally just be catching up with him every day to see how he's doing. Like, she has the fucking phone number. Did we have Skype in 2004? We absolutely did. She could fucking yes. Skype she his could be ass. fucking Skyping this motherfucker. And yet, it and is yet. all... Sandy's she's being home. very dramatic. Yes. And she's, whoa, this, and fainting couch that, mm-hmm. and bring him home, and empty chairs at empty tables. Women. Which is also a Les Miserables song, and also works for this episode. <laughs> I'm I'm continually surprised that they never had a musical episode <laughs> of this show. Missed uh, opportunity. Yes. So, Seth is not interested in coming back to Newport if Ryan is still not there. And Seth is a little bitch. He's such a little bitch. And this is what we're calling back to when we say they're teenagers in this episode, because teenagers are bitches. Yeah. No, he is so catty yeah. and rude to his mother. Yeah. And he's like, Mom, I hate Newport. I've always hated Newport. You can't, and he makes, I guess, a fair point. You can't talk shit about Newport the entire time that I live there. Well, he said that to Sandy in a later scene, but yes, yes, he's 100% correct. Uh Yes, because Sandy spent 100% of all of season one being like, ah, this place is a shithole. I hate everybody from here. Everyone is awful and terrible. This place fucking sucks. Yep. I wish I was never fucking here. I hate the sunshine. Blah, blah, blah. But he does love a surfing. He does like a surfing. And this is my ignorance about Portland. Seth is teaching sailing classes while he is crashing at Luke's in Portland. Are they on the waterfront? I assume they have to be. Do they? The writers know so little about so many things. Well, I know um, that Washington is on the coast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, they've got sailing in Portland. Okay. They would have to. He's he, well. You find out he did not sail to Portland. <laughs> we find out later that he bust there. But, um, I yeah. Okay. Like, oh, we also find out in this. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But we also find out in this scene that Sandy also called Seth earlier that day, mm-hmm. and presumably Seth was a bitch to him over the phone. Yep. So, the point of this scene is Seth is a bitch. Yeah, he doesn't even properly hang up on his mom. So he doesn't even hold the phone. He's playing. I couldn't see what game it was. It's a sports game, so I don't know. Madden hockey. Ah, good job. Good job. Which is very unlike Seth. Can I also just really briefly say that, like, my deep love for uh, Luke continues to grow because, like, Throughout this entire episode, as he's interacting with Seth, it just seems like he's 100% adopted him as his brother. He's just like, oh, okay, cool. Like, they were coming home from something. Yeah. They were probably coming home from work because they work at the same place. Yeah. And he's like, all right, cool. So what are we going to do? Going to get a little Madden in today? Going to do... Like, he's stoked to have Seth around. Yeah. Like, it's fantastic. We continue to want a... uh, Retroactively want a Luke spinoff... But it would just be Luke vibing. Right. There would be no dramatic conflict. Um, but also we did discover in the off season that the actor that played Luke, Chris McCormack. Yeah. Kind of popped into some Broadway things. He does. Look it up. There's a fantastic. He, uh, he plays one of the princes in a Broadway or a, a, what is it? L.A. production. Yeah, an L.A. Into production of Into the Woods. He does a fucking great job. Agony, right? Yeah. Look up Agony with what's his name? Chris McCormack. Uh, he does a fantastic job. Um, I did not know that motherfucker could sing. 
Again, well, we kind of got a little glimpse of it because he was probably like, can I please play guitar? Oh, that's right. In like one half of one scene, please. Guys, I'm actually really musical and I'd really like to be able to showcase these talents on the audience that we have at this show. Guys, you're clearly underutilizing me, so I need potential agents to see my the range of my abilities after I am inevitably written off of this show because you can't have a core five, it's a core four. Agony, you <laughs> shouted me off to Portland. <laughs> and it's me and my gay dead and he's not allowed to date at least not on screen <laughs> agony <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> it was great we love Luke and what's also really funny is like he's a full on adult human right he's yeah. an adult man yeah. he looks exactly the same yeah like he grew up in this show but he reached like his peak height and his peak size yeah. here on this fucking show. Like he's maybe got some crow's feet now. Yeah, but, but that's, that's it. Yeah. Like motherfucker has aged well. Yes. We can only aspire to Luke. Would continue to bone. Yes. For sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now we're <laughs> now we're back at the Cohen house and Jimmy has arrived on their doorstep because they previously had dinner plans, but Kirsten is too uh fainting couchy to want to actually execute those plans. Can we talk about the character reveals that we have in this episode? Uh-huh. Because everybody has to be revealed in such a way as to showcase their new look. Yeah. Because a lot of people have gotten new looks. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, 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 Sandy is like, I'll, I'll, I'll go get rid of him. Goes and opens the door, and it's a great reveal when he opens the door. What was our primary criticism of the Luke of one Jimmy Cooper last season? His fucking hair. His terrible Caesar cut hair. It was so bad. It was so bad. And? We had to take three months off from this podcast to recover from how bad his hair was. And they've let him grow it out a little bit. So what they've done, if you, well, how would you describe it? It's more, it's like, it's not beachy waves, it's but like, it's, it's tussled. It's curly. It's, up, it's yeah, like it's really curly. tight curly. Yeah. But it's like up. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's up. Um, it looks wind blown. It looks yes. sort of bedhead. Yes. Um, but it's great. It's not. It's no longer giving uh, fucking Caligula Caesar fucking thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, kill Russell Crowe in the fucking gladiatorial battles. Fucking leaves on your yeah, head your, fucking toga your, fucking your, pompeii fucking we're, fucking no. um um what's it called when something uh turns into stone medusa um when 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 trees what? become stone instead of wood what's that called what? again pa- not paralyzed what um when trees become stone what's that That's called not again? a thing it what is. are you talking about? When of- very old trees become stone. Petrified? Yes, thank you. Petrified stuff. Fucking petrified Pompeian bread. <laughs> fucking the lovers uh, who were died in the in the pyroclastic flow, which which flows faster than you can run. <laughs> if you can see a pyroclastic flow, you're already dead. Fucking hairstyle. <laughs> You've been holding on to that for It a looks long like I time. might have missed doing this uh, this <laughs> podcast. I don't know. For as much as I bitched and moaned and ground my teeth and wailed um, about this stupid show all last season, 
Something tells me I actually like <laughs> I like talking about it with you. <laughs> it's just because you get to do bits. <laughs> I love a bit. You love a bit. And so his hair looks way better. Yes. This is all to say his hair looks much better. So Sandy goes to meet him on the porch and be like, my wife is on a fainting couch because our son is blah, blah, blah. So we can't do dinner. How's Haley? He's still dating Haley, apparently, but mm-hmm. she never, she's not even on nope. the She was not uh, in the opening intro, credits. Not even nope. as like a featured guest star. Nope. So we assume that she has left Hollywood and gone to be a real estate agent. I can only assume. Yes. She has taken up jazz flute. Jazz flute. She's in New Orleans. Yes. So this is a conversation between Sandy and Jimmy about kids and about how their respective teens are being teens in shitty. And, uh, fucking Jimmy. Sorry. My brain kind of slid to the left a little bit. Um, Jimmy is like, what if you brought in reinforcements? I don't know why I'm giving him that voice. Yeah. Um, what if you brought in reinforcements? Yes, yes. <laughs> the fuck was that? That's his voice. <laughs> <laughs> reinforcements meaning Ryan. Yep. So, oh, because um, that's the reason he left. Yeah, uh, because Sandy's like, I'm gonna go to Portland and try to convince him to come back. Bring him home. Yes. That gives us a scene at San- at Ryan's construction site where Sandy pulls up in a car and then, like, suits over because he's in a full suit. Cause... Again, Ryan has a hard hat, but yep. he doesn't have gloves. He nope. doesn't have a harness. He doesn't have high-vis anything. There's not high-vis on the screen at any fucking point in this entire goddamn thing. But there's dirt on his shirt, which means it sure he is. is a working man. Yep. Yep. <laughs> No goggles, <laughs> fucking nothing. I mean, maybe he took all that stuff off when he was on a break. Mm. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I'll tweet Ben McKenzie. Yes. I'll add him. Please do. On X. Be like, canonically in the show, <laughs> when you were given direction for these scenes where you're on the construction site, were you told explicitly that you had removed your safety gear <laughs> before you ate your began. unpeeled orange or your peeled orange. <laughs> or you <laughs> suck nasty on that peeled orange. I'm making a face. Yeah, it's, it's a good face. It's This is not a visual medium, so you can't tell that I'm making a face, <laughs> but I'm making a face. Um, Ryan says he doesn't know that he will be of any use to Sandy because... Seth is angry at him because he left without really explaining why, which (laughs) I do remember that scene vividly and he fucking tried to explain. Yeah. And Seth Seth was being an, again, a little bitch. uh He was doing the, uh, what Marissa does later in this episode has his full headphones on is like, did you mean to talk to me? I So it's every- not like I'm going to be so affected by your decision to leave that I'm going to be an utter little bitch and take off into the ocean where I could fucking die. It's not like I give a fuck to that extent. It's not like I'm going to grow gills and become a dolphin. Dolphins it's not like I'm going to become Aquaman. And, oh, yeah, hey, look at that. It's not like I'm going to drill a hole 
hole in my head so I can breathe underwater like a human <laughs> snorkel and become one with the fish and learn how to speak fish. Blah, 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 blah. Has nothing to do with you, in case you were wondering. This is a decision I made entirely on my own, without any input from you or your life choices. So... He's inside the fish tank, practicing. <laughs> so Sandy gives him a ticket to Portland, just in case he wants to use it. And this is indeed Chekhov's ticket ticket to Portland. Yep. Because, spoiler... But not before. Uh, what Teresa. Teresa? Teresa pulls up in her little cute ass seventies convertible and gives Sandy the side eye. Yeah, she's and, immediately suspicious of why the fuck Sandy is there. Again, this is the second scene where she does not get out of the car, and we're <laughs> like, "Can you?" Truly, just put a pillow under her Right, guys, shirt. it's not that guys. hard. Yeah. <laughs> just get a Sobakawa pillow. It's buckwheat husks. It's very small. Just put it under there. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you just call that back from your mattress selling days? <laughs> we couldn't sell the Sobakawa pillow. That's very proprietary. <laughs> we couldn't sell the My Pillow, which fucking everyone came in and was like, do you have that My Pillow? But what I'm saying is, you know what the fuck it is. I remember what the Sobakawa pillow is because there was a fucking infomercial on it every five minutes <laughs> on television when I was a kid. So the point is that Sandy gives him the ticket just in case he wants to use it. And that is the end of that scene. And now we get to the next morning in Ryan and Teresa's house where the song that we mentioned is that's was played more than once is called you got me all wrong by dios malos ah which means because i can translate spanish bad days oh good job thanks um roughly 12 hours later uh he's like packing his stuff it's it they the clock shows 6 a.m. and then he's emo for a full half hour while he's like walking around their house and getting ready for work. So at some point, Teresa does, she was like, what did, what's that? And he's like, oh, it's a ticket. It's, she's, yeah, it's while, it's during this scene. It's yeah. after the half hour of emo. And she's like, are you going to go? And he says, no. And it's at this point he remembers her appointment. Appointment, yeah. Because she has a doctor's appointment, which is going to become very important later. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's like, no, I can't. And she wants him to go. And he says he's not part of their family anymore, so it's not his place to. And she's like, they embraced you. What are you doing? Yeah. Which, this is the only grace that I'm going to give Teresa in this episode. Well, more specifically, Teresa's mom, but we'll get there. Can you remind me? Because I don't remember. Season one. Yeah. When Ryan makes the decision to move to Chino to be with Teresa and support her through the blah, blah, blah. Um, the blah, blah, blah. Right. Be a father, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> be right. a father. In a loveless marriage or not marriage or whatever, right? A loveless partnership that uh -huh. neither of them really actually wants to be. Well, she she probably does actually want to be with him, but only if he actually wants to be with her. It's because he wears all of the wife beaters and has muscles. So do you remember, because I don't, Season one, uh -huh. he makes the choice 
Is she happy about it? Like, does she welcome him? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's just the way what we're seeing now is the reality of what, how their relationship has evolved. It's been three months. That's yeah. That's mentioned a few times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, playing house is not cute when you are... 27, but actually 17. <laughs> yeah. And you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Right. They're living with her mom. Who is totally cool with them sleeping in the same bed, which is very adult. She's already pregnant. I mean. I mean, what are you going to do? I suppose. Do we still think they're boning? Do we think they're boning regularly? Or do we think, because they never really smooch. He smooches her on the cheek only when he leaves. It doesn't seem like they're close. No. Like, she's trying to get something going. Yeah. Because she's trying to actually have, like, what feels like date nights, you know? Yeah. And she says later in the episode that she thought he moved back to be with her. Yeah. When he says that he moved back to help with the baby. Yeah. Yeah. I'm skipping ahead a few scenes. Yeah. No, she, um, I was going to say something really insightful here, and it just completely flew out of my head. But I think, oh, if we're factoring in um, the alleged ex-abusive boyfriend who became abusive in the space of two weeks, you know, if you're if you're her age, asterisk, we don't know what her age is because, again, she is 29 and also 15. Mm-hmm. Um, you it, between the two choices, between the three choices, being alone being with a guy who beats your ass or being with Ryan, you're going to want to entice Ryan as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Sure, if you think you're pregnant, yeah. Because yeah. Ryan is a cinnamon roll. He is. Yeah. Yeah, he's generally a guy who tries to do the right thing. Yeah. So I think this is also the scene where he goes outside to take the trash out and he's wearing the wife beater and he sees the little kids driving by on yes. the bike and bikes and there's a there's a again I think that the directors were very pleased with this shot they do the thing where he's standing there looking at the kids riding by on their bikes and then he morphs into a 12-year-old version of himself and high fives them while still being in the wife beater. And guess what, everybody? He's regretting some of the decisions that he's made. Yeah. Right. It's uh, it's neat because he's looking back at himself. And himself, young him, looks back at him. Yeah. And then vanishes. And we think it might be Haley Joel Osment. I don't think it's Haley Joel Osment. Maybe Osmond. that's just me. I don't think it's Haley Joel Osment. It looks a lot like Haley. Look it up. Okay. Look up whoever plays young Roger. I, <laughs> whatever his fucking name is. I will not look it up because we have a time limit on this recording and you have a place to be. All right. You guys can do your own research. <laughs> look up who the fuck played young Ryan in that scene in episode one, season two of the fucking OC. Who am I, your dad? No. Um. So Teresa wants him to go to Portland. He's like, blah, blah, blah. That all that happens. Um. So now we get to the parking garage. I don't remember what happens in the parking garage. Yes, you do. Sandy, it's a, it's a totally soprano scene. Sandy pulls up. Oh, yes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sandy pulls his car up next to Caleb. 
And he's like, yes, what the fuck very are we meeting throat. in a parking lot? Yeah. And, and Caleb is like, my house is bugged and your house is also probably bugged. And Sandy's like, what the fuck, my dude? What does he say? Oh, you flipped your noodle. <laughs> you flipped your noodle. <laughs> you, you commented on it. It's such a great line. <laughs> oh, you flipped your noodle. <laughs> Everyone has flipped their noodle. What's really funny, though, is like Caleb does does turn out to be somewhat justified in his paranoia at yeah. the end of the episode because he yeah. is fully being investigated by the FBI and right. they're putting together a very strong case against him. But this scene is meant to convey that they're not quite there yet. Yeah. And Sandy thinks that he has flipped his noodle, <laughs> um, etc. So then we go directly from that to Portland. The uh, what did we? Well, in that really quick, the thing we accomplish in that scene is Caleb wants Sandy to. He just wants to know. Oh yeah, he just asked Sandy, does he know anything? Is he yeah. getting any intel? Yeah, and we also use that scene, yeah, to say that Sandy is going to Portland to try and get Caleb's grandson back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and he's like, I can be very persuasive. Do you want me to come? <laughs> Yeah. And Sandy's like, no, fuck off. Your your method of persuasion is terrible. Yeah, right. And involves getting other guys to break someone's knees. I could blackmail him. <laughs> Would you like me to blackmail him, Sandy? I mean, we see how well the blackmail worked on Marissa, so maybe he should have. It gets results. Yeah. You know, she's not happy to be there, but she's back. Yeah. <laughs> she's drinking heavily, but... Yeah. Okay, so now we're at the boat rentals of sailing. Yeah, we get introduced to two new characters. Uh, The girls. They're not. uh, Do we even know their names? One of them is named because Luke says, I want you to make a move on. You gotta lock that down. You gotta lock down what's her name by the end of summer. But what's her name? What's her name? We don't know. Yep, that girl. So the conversation is like, the waves were great today. We should, oh, my fake ID worked at this bar finally, and we had so much fun, and you should come. And then a guy wiped out, and he lost his trunks. <laughs> and this is where there is at least oh, three, yes. there's at least three gay panics in this yes. tiny scene alone. All of the gay panics take place in the Portland scenes, because that is where the gay men is. Yes! Oh, I hadn't actually considered that they're doing it because that's where Luke's gay dad is. Uh-huh. And they have to really double down on none of us are gay here in Portland. Yes. With my gay dad. With my gay dad. Um, one of that no, one of them does take place in Newport because Caleb is like, don't you think it's suspicious that yeah. your son? Is no, he living? says it in the car. Yeah, he says it in the car. Yeah, he's like, don't you think it's a little odd that your boy moved in with what's his name and his gay father? Mm. That Luke character is quite attractive. I should know he fucked my wife. <laughs> It's also nice to see that Luke is fully over Julie. Oh, yes. And also that he's fully supportive of his gay dad. Yeah. Like, I just, you know, I fucking want goddamn that that fucking Portland spinoff. Yeah. Where Luke figures out how to fit in with a new school where there's no polo, water polo team. He's got a new girlfriend. He's hanging out with his gay dad. He meets Slater Kinney. Right? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Slater Kinney is the fucking Harlem Globetrotters in Scooby-Doo. They just show up randomly in the Portland offshoot. No, they're the death cab of the Portland offshoot. Oh, they're the they're the Morty? No, Ricky? Rick Rico? 
R- R- Rodney, that fucking band, that one of those, one of the, um, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, fuck. Rooney! Rooney! <laughs> They're the Rooney. Oh, these are my friends, Slater Kinney. And in this timeline, everyone is queer. Yep. Because everyone will then subsequently be attracted to Carrie Brownstein. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. And, and... The other one. Rachel. I can't remember her name. Yeah, who's the one but that sounds like a caterwauling <laughs> possum? <laughs> Listen. That's, that's, hey, I'm just saying. That's what her fucking vibrato sounds I like. I do a really good her voice. It's just the strangest vibrato. It's very strange. I, it's just very unique, you know? And it's like John Darnielle that takes some getting used to, you know? <laughs> it's a very unique vibrato. Okay. What's her name? Morgan Hargan? I am going to look this up. Jangan Jingli. Jangan. Was Rachel the drummer? Um. That left? No, that was Janet Weiss. Janet. Yes. Because um, St. Vincent broke up the band like a Yoko Ono. I did not like The Center Won't Hold. It's not my favorite album of theirs. It, it's too electronica for me. It's too much of a departure. Corin Tucker. Corin. Corin Tucker. Welcome back to one of us Google's things. <laughs> the podcast. Okay. So the point of that scene with Luke and Seth is Seth is wearing his uh, work polo and they're firmly established that they are trying to establish with the ladies in Portland. And was this was the Trunks fat guy gay joke? Was yep, that the combination? To do a fat shame, gay panic joke all in one fell swoop. Because it was like Seth was like, let me know if that happens again. Like, extremely sarcastically? Yeah. 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 It's too bad we never get to see those characters ever again. Yeah. You take what you can get with a show. A lot of things have happened in these three months. Jimmy's gotten new hair. Uh-huh. Seth has made new friends. And you know what? Let me also say, I don't know if this is character growth or if they're trying to pinpoint the differences between Newport Peach and Portland. But the fact that Seth has, like, friends... Like, he made friends, like, legitimate friends. Do we think it's because of his association with Luke and because Luke is so hot and popular everywhere he goes? I don't know if they want us to think about it that deeply. I suppose. I think they just want him to feel more settled. He keeps saying, I live here now. Yeah. 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 He doesn't necessarily say it with a lot of conviction. I'm not necessarily happy about what happens at the end. Oh, we'll talk a fucking about that. But it is, you know, necessary for the continuation of this fucking show. That's going to be the major thing that I actually want to really fucking dig into. Yeah. But anyway, keep going. So let's let's press on because you have like 45 minutes that you can talk about this. Let's forge ahead. Yes. So now we are back in House of Gay Dad. (laughs) And Gay Dad is making dinner for the girlies. But he's like, we have a guest for dinner. You know, it's sort of unfair. Did what? you notice they gave Gay Dad Jimmy's old hair kind? <laughs> I'm like, no, don't give any characters this haircut. They can afford three haircuts on this show. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he's like, 
<laughs> we have a we have a guest. And I love this happens twice in this show and it happens at exactly the same time, the same way both times. Where, yeah, Sandy comes out of the Oh, they did that on purpose. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sandy comes through the doorway. Like the drawing room or whatever. Yeah. We don't know what the dimensions of this house are, but we do know that they have a huge deck. Yes. <laughs> oh, they've got a huge deck, all right. <laughs> So Zanny comes through the waiting room, and Seth proceeds to be an entire ass continued bitch to him yeah. at dinner, but does make the one valid point, as we touched on before, that you cannot talk shit about Newport your whole, my whole, mm-hmm. Seth's whole life. Right, his first words to baby Seth were probably like, I hate Newport Beach. <laughs> I love you. I hate Newport so much. <laughs> This place is a shit can. Man, you have really perfected your Sandy Cohen. <laughs> no notes. <laughs> I've been working on it all summer. 15 of 10. Thank you. Now that I lost all those four teeth that were taking up too much room in my mouth, <laughs> that's all I can just, more room for Sandy is in there more now. More room for, you know, low growls. More room for the bit. The bit. <laughs> <laughs> um... The, the, there's a point where Seth is super bitchy and then he's like, can we just be honest? I would rather be honest instead of being polite. Yeah. Because Sandy's like, can you be fucking polite at a fucking dinner with some fucking people who are not us? Yeah. And he's like, no. Yeah. I choose violence, dad. I choose violence, dad. Yeah, and Sandy makes some excellent points. He's like, all right, yeah, if we're going to be fucking honest, I see uh, an entitled, spoiled little brat uh, who's ne- who's have everything handed to him? I his think entire I started life. punching the air during this little speech <laughs> because he is correct. It's great, yeah, right, yeah. I see this little child who's throwing a hissy fit because his friend left to go take care of his unborn child. Uh huh. And you're killing your mother, and you're killing me, and yada yada. And he's like, this is where I belong, Dad. I don't know how I can tell you oh, that. This is what happens. Um. Uh, Seth is like, you let Ryan leave without so much as trying to stop him. And Sandy says, Ryan did what he had to. And Seth says, well, then so am I. And leaves the table. And it's like, um, no, you don't really have to because you don't have an unborn child. It's kind of the equivalent. Well, in his mind, he has to for his self-esteem for his brain sure for his well-being yeah it doesn't actually hold water but it's fine but but it sort of does like that's the thing that gets through to sandy because he's like well i left when i was your age Mm -hmm. and now i am going to tell you the things that i wish that my family had told me when i left yeah that's the following scene right it's morning uh sandy gets made coffee by gay dad gay dad seems great um, gay dad excuses himself when Seth comes in and Seth's like, well, that seems like a convenient excuse for us to be alone for round two. Yeah. And Sandy's like, there's not going to be a round two. I listened. Uh, Sandy continues to dad very well in, yeah. this, in this thing, even though his wife is going to kill him when he gets home. Like as much as I think Seth is a bitch and as much as we yelled about his torso last season and will continue to yell about his torso and his decisions and his dialogue this season. Yeah. It takes a level of self-awareness 
to know when an environment is bad for you and when you need to remove yourself from it. And it is very, it's good parenting that at least one of his parents was like, you're in his, and that's exactly what they said. It's not like he like took a bus to, you know. He's not like Las Vegas right? dancing or something. Yeah, right? he's, yeah. Not, he's not hailing yeah. at the strip club in Los Angeles. He's in a safe environment. He's gonna homeschool, mm-hmm. despite the fact that there are very good schools in Portland. Yeah. But I assume, but that's neither here nor there. The point Sandy makes is great. He's like, this time I know where you are. Yeah. Um, you know, if I force you to come home and you leave again, then you might not tell us at all. You might leave without a note, yeah. you know? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, uh, excellent dadding. Yes. Excellent dadding. And his eyebrows are phenomenal. Yeah. Just incredible. We think they upped their budget for maybe an eyebrow person <laughs> in this season. Eyebrow is, wrangler? Yes, which is why there's no pregnancy simulation wrangler. <laughs> they spent it all on the eyebrow <laughs> Mr. Gallagher's eyebrowist. Correct. Um, so. But it's also, Seth stops being a bitch the second that Sandy respects his decision, which is nice to see. Yeah. He says, thank you. He thanks him, which is enormous. And again, like, teenagers want to be taken seriously in their decisions. And sometimes the decisions may or may not be right for them. This is moot because he's... Spoiler! Again, he's coming back to Chino by the end of the episode, but he felt heard. Yeah. And that's all anybody, really, even teenagers, want. Yeah, because Sandy's like, you know, just remember the door is always open. Yeah. And Seth's like, I know, I know Which is a really sweet thing to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can just, we can just uh, cut down the time. That we have left in the recording and say that Sandy is our hero of the episode, right? Yes, Sandy is absolutely the hero of this episode. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so. The second uh, they got rid of his bangs, I was like, yeah, hero, (laughs) hero move. (laughs) I could never take a lawyer seriously that had fucking bangs. I'm sorry. (laughs) But anyway. So now we're back at the... um, Cohen stronghold mm-hmm. and Teresa, not Teresa, Marissa and Jimmy have pulled up in the car that it's a GT, I guess. Okay. Um, oh yeah, her fancy fucking new red goddamn car, her cherry uh-huh. red fucking sex car. Cherry Christ, this fucking car. car is fuck on wheels. Which I guess is her mom gave it to her so she would like her or something like that. Yeah, I love how Julie is spending a lot of Caleb's money. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, she keeps fucking doing this with guys. She keeps fucking thinking she's with guys who are financially stable, and they are not. <laughs> <laughs> It's a kink. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's just a fin dom, but like reverse reverse fin dom. <laughs> it's like a poverty dom. Like what the fuck? <laughs> we're not kink shaming. We're we're not. We're not. Yep. Anyway, yeah. So they've invited Jimmy and Marissa over for what purpose again? For dinner again, because the um. What's her name? Kirsten is there alone. Yeah, oh yeah, it's a big empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's like, thank you for another empty house, and my husband's gone, and my son is gone, and I have all this food, which no one eats. Yeah. So it all goes bad. Yep. So they do that, and 
all the notes that I have here are this ultimately transitions to Marissa chugging vodka in a lifeguard station. Oh, yeah, because she goes into... Somebody goes into Seth's old room. Oh, that's later. That's, that's later. Summer. That's summer. Oh, she goes into the li- she goes into the pool house. Yeah, yeah. She goes into the pool house and she like does very dramatic like touching the handle on the door mm-hmm. and looking wistful and then ultimately not going inside. Yeah, and that has made her so emo that she has to drink room temperature vodka. Yep, at a lifeguard station in the middle of the night and that's when she calls, calls ryan, ryan which at Teresa's house at Teresa's house on their landline yep which i feel like no that's not a conceit if ryan was divesting himself from the cohen's he would not keep a cell phone because Correct. they are expensive yeah were expensive in 2004 or whatever the fuck. and he would have been on their family plan whatever so like yeah he wouldn't have a cell phone anymore right so she calls him and he picks up the phone and she just breathes into the phone and he's like, who is this? And then what? She just breathes. She's just like, (laughs) she just sounds like a, like a squeaky bouncy house that's crying and drinking vodka. But cut back to him and he knows who it is. Yep. Unconsciously, he knows. So they just sit there and listen to each other and they uh, this is this is a underrated acting skill as we pointed out. It is they smolder at each other through the phone. <laughs> they individually smolder. Yeah. Yep. And then uh when he hangs up, uh, when she hangs up, he hangs up and we do slow pan down to see that Teresa heard the whole thing. Uh-huh. She was awake the whole time. We assume Teresa is a bat at this point. Because I don't think she ever sleeps. No, there's not a lot of sleeping going on in that whole household in the Chino. Yes. So the next, Seth is still at, or Sandy is still in Portland in the next scene. Yes. And that's when their talk about, that we already yeah. covered, yeah, yeah, yeah. takes place. Um, the... The important point to bring back from this scene is this is the part where in Chino, uh, Teresa reminds Ryan that she had a doctor's appointment. He's like, oh, fuck, I fucking forgot. And she's like, take your ass to Portland. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yes. She's like, my dad or my mom loves all the things that are, and this is going to be a totally standard uh, appointment, and it's fine. And like, there's some uh, real. She tension. loves. She loves family guy, family guides, and music. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot of awkward, like it. it it's super apparent that their whole communication style is terrible, because. Um, uh, you know, he's like, I was going to go until I remembered your appointment. She's like, well, you didn't remember the appointment. He's like, I've been to every appointment. Are you saying I, are you saying I'm not committed to this? And she's like, no, blah, blah, blah. They're too young to be this passive aggressive. <laughs> it's so passive aggressive. Yeah. And they're both like smiling the whole time, like yeah. trying to play it off. And they're both so, the, the, the actors are doing a great job of, you know, being painfully miserable but trying, but obviously physically trying to cover up how painfully miserable they are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and she's like, oh, so go to fucking Portland. And he's like, okay, I'll go to Portland. Which 
I'm going to say I don't think that teenagers are capable of this level of passive aggressiveness in this dire of circumstances. Yeah. You know, like if it was affecting their well-being this much being Ryan. Mhm. Uh, a teenage boy would absolutely <laughs> never do any of this shit. No. Regardless of how much family trauma he has. Yeah. He would not have unpacked that trauma until he was 35 if he was lucky enough to get a therapist. Right, yeah, he certainly wouldn't he certainly wouldn't <laughs> he certainly wouldn't unpack it and be like, "Oh, I appear to have some familial abandonment issues centering largely around my absent father figure. Yeah. Um, it's incumbent upon me to be the father figure I never had growing up. Yeah. Like, that's not going to be the fucking realization this child has. Yeah. He's going to be like, well, your preggers sucks for you. <laughs> I'm going to go surfing. Batman. Like, that's what the fuck this guy's going to fucking do. He's going to be like, I'm going to have sex with my hot girlfriend. 100%. That's what I'm going to do. Sure yeah. hope she doesn't get preggers. But the good news is she'd have the good mind to drink to drink herself into a miscarriage. <laughs> wow, I went dark so fucking fast. I'm making a face again. <laughs> You can't see it. Okay, so now we get second most iconic scene from this episode. We're over at the Caleb and Julie mansion, and Marissa has yeah her, her earbuds in mm-hmm. her ear wired pods, earbuds. wired They're earbuds. Pods. They're wired earbuds. Yes. Okay. And she's this- she's lounging poolside. Yep. With big sunglasses on. Yep. Yes. Getting so this is, this is very someone on the writing staff saw the graduate. Yes. So Julie comes up and is like, take off your earbuds. And she's like, I can't hear you. I'm listening to my earbuds. <laughs> and it's strange that they didn't take an opportunity here to plug another song or the song that were. Oh, interesting. You know? Yeah. Like. There, there could have been an extremely emo rage song for Marissa's mindset in this scene. She's also obviously listening to an iPod, but they also apparently didn't get a sponsorship from Apple because they didn't do, like, the overhead shot of the yeah. iPod. Yeah. Of, like, I'm listening to my iPod, Mom. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> um. Julie is upset because they were supposed to leave for Cardio Bar. Cardio Bar! Yes. Uh, 15 minutes ago. And Marissa's like... Yeah, she goes, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry about that. And starts playing her music again. Yep. And then Julie decides to take away the iPod, not iPod, and ground her. And Marissa's like, you can't ground me. You don't know how to parent. Which is valid. Julie's like, oh, the fuck I can't the ground you. The fuck I you. can't ground You're you. You're living in my goddamn house, you little fucking... In- and she's like, I didn't want to live in your house. And then Julie does the very reasonable thing, which is, why don't you tell me how you are feeling? Yeah. I can't. I can't. I can't even get through this next, the next sequence of events because she's, it's so bad. It's 
it's but it's kind of great. It's great, but it's terrible. Yeah. She's like, oh, you really want to know how I'm feeling, mom? You really want to know what I'm thinking right now? And Julie's like, yes. And then she can, uh, Marissa commences a sequence of events that is from acting warm-up 101. It's so great. Which is she, like, basically folds herself in half and screams. Yeah. For a good 40 seconds mm-hmm. and then shoves all of the pool. Yeah, she takes the pool, uh, the, 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 the chair, yeah, and just heaves it into the pool and just screams. And then storms off in her in her extremely um, low rise low rise shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and I gotta say, like, I really love this scene. I think it's fucking great. But there is nothing less dramatic to punctuate your scream than storming off in low rise shorts. <laughs> <laughs> so now Ryan is in Portland. At just as Sandy leaves, like they're recycling, they the use same the same cab, cab. Yep. <laughs> which is awfully convenient. It was the 2003s. You had like one cab. <laughs> there was no Uber, right? Yeah, there was no Uber driver to tell you that uh, bipolar disorder is fake, and that he bought a real lemon of a house. Uh huh. <laughs> when you when he's dropping you as close to the Beyonce concert as he can physically get you because downtown Minneapolis is a fucking. Oh wait, not was not Minneapolis. Was it Minneapolis? Yeah, yeah. Because downtown Minneapolis is just yeah gridlock. This is for our Patreon episode. <laughs> anyway, they they switch out the cabs, and while this is happening, while uh Ryan is entering Gay Dad One Hundred One Household Stronghold. Yep. yep. Um, Summer is bringing back a pink crate mm-hmm. of all of Seth's earthly belongings that remind her of him. And what is the big record that you can see clearly? Prominently featured is London Calling by The Clash, which is an impeccable record. It is. It is. Uh, uh, what's the word that I want here? You can't fault it. No, yeah. It's, it's, it's sort of a perfect record. All bangers, no skips. No hangers? No. All... What's the saying? All all killer, no filler. She dumps the crate out on the bed, and we Oh, can't... but first she has a great little moment yeah. with Kirsten. Oh, yeah. She's like, I'm not vibrating at the proper frequency. <laughs> and Kirsten's like, uh... And then Summer goes on to be able to explain in depth this, this frequency vibration thing. Yeah. Where you, you attract... Positive people with high frequencies and negative people with low frequencies. She mentions the name of a person, but I feel like they legally could not, that could not be a real person. They're probably like trying to make fun of that type of therapy. Look it up on your own. Who are we? Your mom? We're not. We're not your mom. We are canonically not your mom. <laughs> and it's great because she's like I need to essentially remove everything of Seth from my mind to move on and as she's going upstairs to do so Kirsten's like hey Summer for the record if I wasn't his mom I'd be doing the same thing Yes, <laughs> it's like damn you burnt Seth oh we totally skipped over the part where Seth was drawing Summer oh, as a superhero. Right. Yeah, he's a cartoonist now. He's a yeah. comic book drawer who draws in exactly the same style as Bruce Tim. I wonder if they got Bruce Tim to draw that. He's I'd be not shocked if they got just Bruce a Tim consumer to do it. of comics. He's a 
creator of comics now. Of comics now. It's happened in only three months, too. Uh-huh. It's pretty surprising. It's I wonder incredible. if they got Bruce Tim to draw that. It looks exactly like something <laughs> Bruce Tim would draw. But anyway. No. <laughs> Adam Brody totally drew that. <laughs> I wonder if we're going to come back to this at any point during this season or the subsequent seasons. I'll be curious to find out. Hmm. 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 So Summer dumps all of the uh, Clash and non-Clash things in the crate onto Seth's bed, which is A, rude, but B, he deserves it. He does, yeah. And then she like has a moment with Captain Oates, which, as you will recall, listener, is the horse that belongs to Seth. And this is meant for... Uh, adorableness flavor. She says, I hope we can still be friends. Yeah. To Captain Oates. To Captain Oates. Yeah. Yep. Um, but hey, I just realized there's there's a lot of mirroring going on in this episode, right? Because this is both girls being in their ex-boyfriend's rooms where they are very not present, but the ghost of them lingers. The smell of them lingers. <laughs> the teenage boyness of it all. Okay, so we get a couple rapid-fire scenes. Seth tells Ryan that he'll go home if Ryan comes with him, and Ryan is like, I can't come home with you, for obvious reasons. Uh, Julie and Jimmy talk about stabilizing Marissa's family life because Caitlin is going off to boarding school. This it's is the good boarding thing. school mention. It's a good thing she's going off to boarding school. And they're like, teenagers are the worst, am I right? I'm right. Um, oh, yeah, and it's it's a really nice little interaction, actually, because, you know, obviously there's a lot of history between Jimmy and Julie, and uh, you oh, know, Julie's yeah. like, for the record, I am happy for you, and you Jimmy's, and Haley. Jimmy's like, I don't fucking believe you. But thank you, <laughs> right? But for the for the sake of, uh, of Marissa or whatever, thank you. <laughs> I don't believe you for a second, <laughs> you venomous snake, you. <laughs> You're fucking the flower guy, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, for all intents and purposes, Haley is dead, so, like... Cut to the flower guy fucking watering the sidewalk. (laughs) (laughs) Shirtless, wearing Speedos. (laughs) His enormous package just Just, barely contained. His abs are just full of oil. (laughs) He's fully oiled! Yes. (laughs) Just leering at Jimmy. Uh, Sandy tells Caleb to prepare for war. There's a bunch of metaphors like get your house in order, mm-hmm. get your blah, blah, blah. Because the storm clouds. The storm clouds. Are roiling. So put we, your storm shutters on. We hope it's not a QAnon storm is coming kind of or pre-QAnon would have been. No, I think a storm is coming used to be an actual thing people would say okay. well before QAnon. There was the pipeline was normal people said it, then Game of Thrones, then QAnon. Sure. 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 <laughs> okay. But he also, it's important to say that he never actually says the type of charges that Caleb is going to experience. He's just like, you're going to be hurting in your butt, my dude. <laughs> Let's just say daddy federal government is strapping up. <laughs> you're going to have to bend over and grab them ankles. <laughs> I just, let's get your lube in order is what I'm saying. Don't drop the soap. Oh, wow. That's not, no, let's not take it to a prison context. Not necessary. No. And everything else that you Everything said I said was, was totally necessary. Yes. 
Okay, home stretch. Home stretch. Luke and Ryan are playing Madden hockey. Yep. And Luke is... <laughs> this is one of the spots where I was like, kiss! <laughs> Just kiss already! Yeah. Right, Luke, when he's saying things like, come on, Gino, hurt me. Make yeah. me hurt. Make me feel pain. <laughs> oh, we totally glossed over... Um, Ryan is fully staying or in the Mr. Gay Dad house. Yes, he's now. staying in the yeah. Well, yep. it's you know because going back to Portland or going back to Newport. So yes, both Sandy but and we, Ryan did spend the night when they went to visit. Yeah, but we didn't talk about the um, just the lighting up of Seth's face when. Ryan entered the scene oh, the yeah. exact same way that Sandy right. did. Oh, yeah, when they come in, and it's great, because Luke, yeah, he's like, oh, we could do some Madden, it'll be great. And, and Luke's then, uh, dad is like, like, we have a guest for dinner. Yeah, Luke's like, hey, dad, when's dinner? And he's like, it's been half an hour, and we have another guest again. <laughs> Cut to exactly the same shot yeah. of fucking Sandy walking in, except it's Ryan walking in. And I think Seth says, what is it, my mom? Yeah. Before that. But it's Ryan. It's Ryan. And then there's a real brief gay panic moment he's like we don't have to hug do we yeah that's later when they're um, oh it's later that's later that's okay. later when they both realize that they're gonna um they're gonna go they're gonna move back to Newport yeah so we were like kiss when that happened and then we were like kiss when <laughs> Luke was telling everyone to make him feel pain yeah uh Ryan gets a phone call yes who is it it's Teresa. Teresa. And uh, early in the episode, you were like, oh, what if she has a convenient miscarriage and this whole storyline is wrapped up? Kind of, but also not. But also not. So yes. Ryan's like, what's going on? Everything okay? And she's like, I went to the doctor and he said they couldn't find a heartbeat. So I lost the baby. And Ryan's like, oh, fuck. And there's some exposition. She's like, this is very common this early in the pregnancy. Right. Like. This is a, the doctor said this is a totally believable plot device. Yes. <laughs> Ryan's like, oh, shit, I'll come home. And she's like, don't. We both know you don't want to come home. We both know the only reason you came is for the baby. And now there's no baby. So just fucking don't. It'll yeah. be okay. It's fine. I'm not angry at you. Blah, blah, blah. She lets him entirely off the hook, so to speak. Yeah. So Ryan's like, holy fucking shit. And leaves the Madden hockey game to go sit in his room. He tells the boys, he says, Teresa lost the baby. Which yes. feels very, again, I'll say it, like, blaming language. Like, where did she lose it? In the airport luggage? Like... In the Starbucks? You could have said <gasps> she had a miscarriage. Did she go to Newport and lose it in the crab shack? <laughs> did she lose it at the gambling table of their fucking <laughs> rotary club fundraiser or whatever? <laughs> But again, that's just, it's, uh, I'm not excusing it, but it's of its time. That's yeah. the way we fucking talked. Cause so he goes up to the room. He's joined shortly by It's probably by because she played pool once. It was that. That yeah. would do it. Yep. Yeah. The doctor said it. Yeah. But it turns out that it's a fucking lie. Right. Her mom comes in and sits down and is like, did you tell him? And she's like, yeah. And she says, do you think he believed you? And she says, yeah. And she's crying. And the mom is like, it's better this way. It's better for him. It's better for the baby. And it's like, is it? Is it Teresa's mom? Is it writers? It's but that also 
And this is where I had to pause and stand up and walk around and knock a bunch of things off the table <laughs> and and do acting against the wall. You catted real hard. Because the writers have very, very purposefully given themselves a delicious little plot device to throw into any future season that they want to, where Teresa comes back and is like, I lied about not having the baby. This is your son! I am... Slash daughter! I'm sure it's never going to come up again. <laughs> It's this you is done. Naive, beautiful child. It's done. It's we're done with this, and all's well that and. So Seth is like, "What are you gonna do now?" And he's like, "Well, I've I've got this job that pays good, so I'll go get my stuff from Teresa's and I'll figure it out." Because um, I guess I'm homeless again. And so the Ryan's cab to the airport has arrived. And the song that is playing is All the Arms Around You by Halloween in Alaska. Nice. Which is... I've never heard of that band. Yeah, there's a reason. <laughs> <laughs> but there's very topical lyrics in this song. I did not take notes about them. It's like my who, best friend or my only friend or something like that. No, it's like, what are you going to... Maybe there's something like that too, but... All of the arms around you can't help you now, or oh, something like okay. that. Um, so we see Seth's foot jiggling mm-hmm. and juxtaposing that with Ryan getting his things together and, and putting his hand on the taxi handle. Yeah, and it's the the song comes to a crescendo as Ryan's hand touches the handle of the taxi door. Yep. And that's when Seth jumps off the banister that he was sitting on on Luke's dad's really nice deck. Yeah. It's a lovely deck. Also, he got to learn how to grill. Right? He learned to grill, y'all. On this deck. Yeah. I I I would if he's leaving, I'll just stay in their spare bedroom. Runs to the door and he opens it to to, to run out. But who's there at the door? It's Ryan. It's Ryan. Because Ryan came back to like say goodbye again. No, he came back because they both had the same idea. Yeah. To go back to Newport. Yeah. Both of them had the exact same idea at the same time. Like, well, fuck it. This kind of sucks. Let's go back to fucking Newport. Yeah. And it is at this point that we get yet another very gay panic because uh, Ryan is going to sneak past Seth to go inside. Yeah, and And one of them is like. We, we don't have to hog, right? And the other one's like, no, no. Yeah. It's like, Christ. Seth asks, do we have to hug? Could it? Can we get even more fucking toxic and fucking masculine? We probably could. <laughs> they could have, like, punched each other or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. Pantsed each other. <laughs> Smacked each other in the dick. Gave each other swirlies. Wait, at which point does it, does it cross over into more homoerotic? <laughs> Okay, so the boys are on the way home to Newport. Yep. So now we cut back to Sandy and Kirsten having dinner amongst the plastic sheeting. Can I just also say, I still I have even less of a concept of what this house looks like. <laughs> I love Sandy's line. He's like, see, it's nice having dinner amongst the furniture. <laughs> And Kirsten is still not having it. She is aggressively sawing her food <laughs> yeah. with her knife yeah. and making weird faces yeah. and being sad. And whomst bursts through the door together. But our own Laurel and Hardy. Sandy. Mutt and nope, Jeff. Mutt and Jeff. Seth and Ryan. Ryan. And what do they say? 
Seth is, Seth said something like, Jesus, I'm gone for three months and you fucked the terror. You goddamn tear the whole fucking place apart. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, Kirsten loses her shit and she's like, oh my God, both of you. And Seth says something like, eh, it was a two for young, it was a two for one angry young white men or something like that. <laughs> Deal. Just quite clever and I enjoyed it. It was delightful. And we both noticed, so Seth gets nice, so Kirsten hugs both the boys immediately. Seth gets a nice, big, extended hug from Sandy. Uh-huh. Ryan gets... A handshake. Firm handshake. And we were like, how come Ryan doesn't get hug? Ryan is bereft of hug this whole episode. Ryan deserve hug. Someone should have hugged Ryan. Someone hug Ryan. Ben McKenzie, come to our house so you can, we can hug you. We will hug you, Ben McKenzie. Also record... Both of us give. He doesn't have to. We don't have to put him to work. We just have to hug him. We just have to hug him. We both of us, in very different ways, give excellent hugs. Yes. In my opinion. Yes. One of us is squishy and one of us has long arms. (laughs) We'll leave that to the listener to figure out which is which. (laughs) Um. Um, also my source material points out because they immediately go to the pool house Mm -hmm. to. Uh, settle Ryan back in and there's a great moment where Ryan basically closes the door on Seth so he's already <laughs> forgotten about him <laughs> yeah but also did they not talk the whole way back to Newport because Ryan immediately says tell me about your fucking boat trip what did they talk about well the because whole... it didn't happen on camera it doesn't exist okay right So we're just assuming the whole trip back from fucking Portland was spent in utter silence. And we do need this for exposition. We do, yes. Do you want to explain what happened on on Seth's fucking boat trip? He got, um, he stopped at a couple places between Newport and Santa Barbara, which is approximately 140 miles of sailing. And then he sold the boat and got a bus ticket to Portland. (laughs) And, then and they we, do the thing where they're, they're bantering, they're coming up with excuses or, like, stuff that could have happened to him on the boat trip. Like, it sunk because I was attacked by pirates. And then I was saved by mermaids. And then there was an octopus, something. And that's where we fade out. Uh, and then end credits. Yes. Whatever. Okay. Yep. So the big thing, the major thing that I wanted desperately to talk about, and now we're finally at a place where we can talk about it. This ending of this episode does not feel good to me. I don't know if the audience at the time, because it's obvious they were not going to keep Ryan in Chino. They were not going to keep Seth in Portland. That was not going to happen. They need to be back in Newport for the story of this fucking show to continue, right? But really, like, I got such a bad feeling in my stomach at the end of this episode because, and I said this to you, it feels like these characters are going, they're moving backwards. They're regressing instead of progressing, instead of moving forward with their lives. Yeah, and they're going to repeat the exact same plot points of the first season because Seth and Summer are broken up and he's going to have to wing her back. Ween? Ween. Ween. Ween her back. You have to wean her back. 
<laughs> but yes! Yeah. No, it's the same fucking thing. Yeah. Ryan and Marissa are on the outs. Marissa is drinking again. Marissa's with her mom again and uh-huh. is super pissed at her. Like, it's all the same fucking... It's ex- they're almost back at square one. The yep. only difference being Ryan has no primary predator in school anymore because Luke isn't there. Right. right? I mean, he has no bully, right? Right. Um, <laughs> I like primary predator, though. <laughs> right. I like thinking about Luke as a little T-Rex. We've sort of moved away from Ryan Punch. You know, we moved yeah. away pretty significantly from Ryan Punch oh, at the end of last season. I believe we're going to see Ryan Punch again. And if we do, like, again, it's going to feel like, where did we... Where did these characters go? How did they progress over 27 fucking episodes last season? It's kind of... Okay. It was by the end of season one, this show was a cultural juggernaut. Mm -hmm. Like, we had had your Paris Hilton cameo. We had had your Rooney episode. (laughs) Uh, So... Cultural juggernaut Rooney. <laughs> Cultural juggernaut Rooney. <laughs> sorry, Rooney. We're not sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I I'm can't not sorry speak at all. for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think there's something to be said for at this point. Either they just completely got a new writer's room because who the fuck knew what was going on mm-hmm. back then, but also because they have built this uh, demographic they know they are under the impression that this is the type of shit that they want to see. Mm-hmm. So they're just going to paint my numbers again, but the numbers are going to be slightly different. Right. It does. I can promise you it does not follow this formula for all four seasons. Okay. That's at least reassuring. Yeah. But it does other things. <laughs> so, oh, and here's another thing. Yeah. So uh, Julie Cooper, again, is with another guy that she thinks is financially stable and is not, who's going to have his ass handed to him financially again. Like, it's just the same thing over and over again. And... And we love it. Well, uh, so, okay. Like, I understand that the show needed to get back to the status quo as quickly as possible to maintain its primary audience. I get that. But I would have... I'm saying this now, and I don't know if I actually would have liked this, but a potential option could have been give us two episodes with these circumstances, with Seth and Luke in Portland. Maintain those two characters that we introduced. Yeah. Luke's new girlfriend and Seth's potential new love interest. Uh You know, give them some breathing room so that they're not just two total randos that we'll never see again. Um, give us a little bit more of what the dynamic looks like between Ryan and Teresa and Teresa's mom, who we get to see all of 10 seconds of as she coddles Teresa and is like, this will be better for you and better for Ryan. In what world will this be better? Whatever. But like, I mean, it will be because obviously Ryan was miserable and Teresa, you know, understands that it would be a loveless situation. She served her narrative purpose and they are not interested in any smaller characters having anything outside of their specific narrative function. Yeah, I suppose like the ins and outs and the rigors of being a teen mother aren't anything that this show wants to examine. No. One thing I do want to point out, though, is the characters are still in high school Mm -hmm. in this season, and there's kind of only so much you can do while attempting to maintain... A sense of realism? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like, wait until we move to Gossip Girl. You're going to lose your mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, the good news is that's 100 years from now. It's 100 years from now. Because <laughs> this show is so fucking long. Okay, we already established that Sandy is our hero mid-episode. Well, really quick. This. Okay, before we ahead. move on to heroes and villains, I agree with you 100%. Sandy's the hero. No questions We don't asked. even need we to talk about it. We don't need to discuss it. it. Yep. What do you think about my feeling of these characters regressing instead of progressing. Am I, am I out of line? Is it baseless? I think I'm more used to it because I have been an avid consumer of shit television for way longer than you have. And it just kind of didn't even register. Sure. Until you, you're, 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 Columbusing, you're that's not the Columboing. Columbo. Is that what you're saying? What? No, no, you're it's just one more thing. <laughs> no, you're discovering uncharted territory. Oh, I understand. For Evans, sure. Maybe we can use a different. Yeah, I don't, Columbus is no. not a not no. a look I'm going for. No, we'll figure something out. Although the most benign way that you can refer to Columbusing is say that you Columbus low rise jeans. <laughs> I, I go I with it. I go I with it. Go with it. I don't know if I want to. <laughs> Get in our DMs. What do you think about Columbusing low-rise jeans? You can find us as always at O Y G W W T O C Y O C T O C T O C. You're gonna send them to a totally different URL. Whoopsie. Dot Tumblr dot com. <laughs> Where we will forever remain until someone gives us a blue sky invite. We are hardcore Tumblrinas yes. in this fucking household. Also, don't give us a blue sky invite. I don't need any more excuses to no. be online. And we're not going to start a Mastodon server. No. Okay, so we know that Sandy dadded hard, and he is the hero. Yep. So let's talk villains. Yep. Uh, who is the villain of this episode? Teresa's mom. Yeah, okay, let's unpack really quickly what the potential alternate timeline future of one Ryan Ryanson and Teresa Teresason would look like <laughs> if Ryan stayed at his job at the construction site. It's Ryan Atwood. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and Teresa Thatwood. Um, <laughs> Teresa Thatwood. <laughs> um, so, like, okay, they would continue living with Teresa's mom until ostensibly they could afford to move out. Uh -huh. um, or they might just stick with because, I mean, having, you know, it would be super hard to just strike off on their own. And I think Teresa's mom would be more than happy to have them there. Yeah. Um, so, they, okay, they continue to live with Teresa's mom. Uh, Teresa has the baby. Um, Ryan's a good guy, so I think he would fall in love with the baby. I think he'd be like, yeah, this baby's great. I'm this baby's dad. That's great with me. Um, do we think that they would grow closer because they were very purposefully demonstrating visually, uh, with their acting and with lighting and stuff like that, that they were not physically close. Uh, there was not a lot of smooching. Teresa was trying to get more time with Ryan. Yeah. Um, Ryan was not fully invested emotionally in this thing, even though he was definitely trying to be. He had to have been attracted to her at one point because they boned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He boned that up. Yeah. He put baby therein. As far as we know. Yes. Oh. 
Oh. It's difficult for me to talk about this plot line because I know something that you don't know about okay, it. Okay, then I won't, uh, maybe I won't dig in too hard. But I do think that straight up lying about the existence of a potential human being and encouraging your daughter to uh, perpetuate that lie is a dick move and unnecessary. Absolutely, they could have said, clearly you were not into this baby get out mm-hmm. you know do you think he would have gotten out or do you think he would have just bu- doubled down and been like no i'm this baby then i gotta wear the baby i think after a certain point he wouldn't have had a choice you think he would have noped out at some point I, no i mean i think they would have just fully gotten all of his things and put them on the curb and been like bye or could have i don't know i don't see it happening but this is all um this is all a big mental exercise anyway yeah. Because it's all theoretical. Because his ass is back in Newport. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right. I think because no one else really does anything like dastardly. Yeah. You know, Seth is a bitch, but that's totally normal for Seth. It's baseline Seth. Yeah. Um. Right. Like all, all the regressing that these characters have done. Summer swearing off boys. Marissa drinking again. Like all that stuff is just them regressing. She's back not to the swearing off boys. She's seeing a she's guy. She's with Zach, but she said specifically she's not going to get close to him. Yeah. You know, and we know that she dated guys in season one before uh, she met Seth, but she was never really serious about any of them. Yeah. Whatever. It all. It all feels very. I don't know. Regressive. I'll just keep using the word. You know, right now it's sort of a real bros, the snake eating its tail. You know, the, the, it's very Legend of Zelda because these characters just keep repeating the same patterns over and over again. So I'm hoping in season two, we get to see some growth. I'd love to see some growth with characters that don't just backslide immediately into their, in their, into their old habits, into their old selves. This is also a a lot of expectation that you are putting on episode one of the second season i'm saying this show moves fast it gets it puts in the work you know it gets shit done quickly (laughs) it's except unless it's the fucking oliver arc at which point it takes a hundred episodes yep for everyone else to realize something is wrong with oliver and he needs more help than they can provide correct but whatever whatever but whatever so Teresa's mom is also your villain did you I guess, yeah, because yeah. I can't think of anybody else. And it sucks. What a shitty villain to have because, again, she shows up for all of five fucking seconds in this goddamn show. Kirsten is second place villain for me because she is just low-key bitchy about a situation where she could have given herself any amount of agency. Yeah, and she's super pissed at Sandy just because he's an easy target. Yeah. What the fuck is he supposed to do? He makes the excellent point that if they if they essentially black snake moan their kid, drag him back and <laughs> chain him to a radiator. That is a terrible visual. They put Christina Ricci in diapers in that movie. Like if they do this, you know, then <laughs> the next time he leaves, he won't let them know where he yeah. is, you yeah. know, because he won't trust them anymore to respect him, to mm-hmm. make decisions about his life. And obviously Kirsten, you know, they, you know what? They don't give Kirsten any credit as a character in this episode. Yeah. They sort of did Kirsten dirty. Yeah. They made Sandy like the really conscionable, like logical, rational adult. And Kirsten just the bring him back, Sandy, bring him back, you know, in a fucking casket. If you have to, I just want him home. You know who wins toxic masculinity? Yeah. You know, a little bit. Yeah. Oh, well. 
They were just a little, yeah, Kirsten was a little too much the, oh, she's the irrationally emotional ma'am, you know? Yep. Which I'm not a huge fan of. Nope. So, it is what it is. It is what it is. We're back, baby. We are back. We are fully back. So we're going to put this episode up sometime. If you're listening to it, it's up. Yeah. So. <laughs> we're back on a, what, every other week schedule? Every other week. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, we still have no sponsors. We still have and no there's sponsors. there's no way for you to monetarily support us, so get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> California, Evan. California, Sarah. I say kicking the table. You just listened to Orange You Glad We Watched the OC, the show about watching and talking about the OC. Recorded in Guest Bedroom Studios. Hosted by Sarah and Evan. Original concept and discussion questions by Sarah. Audio recording and engineering and editing by Evan. Please give this podcast as many stars or thumbs up as the platform you're listening to it on will allow you to give us. Copyright 2023.